0: the interesting conversations
1: with interesting people podcast series with author nigel beckles welcome to the podcast Podcast. please like the podcast Podcast. and subscribe to this channel thank you the very best way to promote your podcasts Podpage makes it easy to create a podcast website with just a few clicks. Every page is optimized to be found on Google and it stays up to date forever. For more information visit podpage.com, the future of podcast promotion. Have you experienced several failed relationships or been through a divorce? How can you avoid making the same mistakes again? How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes is out now.
0: Hi, my name is Nigel Beckles. My new book is packed with practical and common sense strategies that you can use to make better relationship choices.
1: Now you can discover the dangerous myths about love. If your relationship expectations are realistic, why you could be falling in love for all the wrong reasons.
0: How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes. It's a book that could change your life.
1: Available from Amazon.co.uk. Kindle version also
0: available. Get ready for takeoff. Welcome back to my interesting conversations with interesting people podcast series. My guest for this episode is the founder of the Keys to Clarity organization, British entrepreneur Lucy Abigail. Hi, Lucy. Welcome to my podcast series. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. So where do you reside at the moment?
1: I'm in Cambridge in the United Kingdom. Well, I understand you're the
0: founder of Keys to Clarity. What are the objectives of your organisation?
1: Well, Keys to Clarity is empowerment coaching for unfulfilled millennials. And what I do is about helping people gain a greater quality of life, just generally speaking, both in their work and in their day-to-day lives as well. What that means from kind of what is fulfillment, basically, I define it as tenaciously working towards a meaningful goal. And that means that every single day you recommit to something which is impacting positively someone other than yourself. And of course, as it's a goal, we all need a target to work for. Maybe it's a certain amount of days. Maybe it is a date or it's a number that you're trying to hit. But uh, that's what I do fundamentally, is I help people clarify a vision for their future, create a plan to achieve that vision, and then help them build their confidence so that they can action that plan.
0: So why did you decide to become involved with your field of work?
1: Well, positive psychology, fulfillment, happiness, all of these sorts of areas became my, I suppose, passion when I decided that what I was being taught at secondary school was wrong. I think we all go through a phase where we're told to think about GCSE options and A-level options. And for the majority of people, academia isn't their route. It is not what they want and it's not what's going to make them happy. It's actually doing something more practical for me. It's setting up my own business at 20 years old. I'm only 20. But when you are forced down one road and your teachers are pushing you down that road and your parents are pushing down that road because they all believe that is best for you, it leaves you in a bit of a catch-22. It's like, well, I know this isn't going to make me happy, but at the same time, if I don't do this, I'm probably not going to be successful as what people think. And I'm not going to have money. I'm not going to be able to have a roof over my head or food on my table. And I really kind of had to step away and say, hang on a second, is this true? Is what I'm thinking true? Or is this a misconception? Because I was looking at the likes of Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates These were very successful people who dropped out of school. Equally, people who are at the end of university, they are caught, again, in their own version of Catch-22, in that they're overqualified half of the jobs, but then they're under-experienced for the other half and find themselves unemployed. And then lastly as well, there are some people who have done everything that they were told they should do and are end up just running a not-for-profit company and they're uh, living in a, on a very kind of, how is the polite and correct way of saying this? They're, they're not living in the mansion, effectively. They're, you know, they've got their small home and they're, and they're content with that because what's actually fulfilling them is their work, which is a, is incredible. So when it comes to why I got involved in this field, it was trying to make sense of the world around me. It was about trying to, uh, seeing the contradictions, seeing the inconsistencies of what the world was telling to me, to what my parents and my teachers were telling me. And we're doing my own research and figuring my own way. I should just
0: ask you, when did you begin your organisation?
1: Well, this has been a passion, a passion product of mine for over a year, but I've only been full time with it for about six months.
0: So you're a new entrepreneur?
1: Yes, I am. I'm a baby entrepreneur.
0: I understand you've studied with Richard Ryan and Edward Deasy, who are involved with the self-determination theory. Who are they and what does their theory
1: involve? So I haven't actually studied with these people. I've studied their, or at least come across their theory, the self-determination theory. And I always give credit where credit's due. This is nothing that I have uh, I've actually created. It's not a theory that I published. It's a theory that Richard Ryan and Edward D.C. published. And they are psychologists and academics. Self-determination theory states that there are three psychological needs for mental well-being. They are autonomy, competency and relatedness. Now, I could go on and on and on about this. So I'll try and keep it as brief as possible. Autonomy, I think that pretty much speaks for itself. It's just making sure that you're setting your own schedule, you're setting your own objectives, that you have control over your life. Competency is either you've mastered a skill or are in the process of mastering a skill. People think of passions, you know, passions develop through practice. And for example, me, my passion right now is business. Obviously, there's a lot of skills involved in that. For example, coming on podcast, talking to you, this is a skill that I'm mastering. Equally, social media. That's something that I'm mastering. Figure out how I can use the likes of Instagram and Facebook to promote my brand and my business. That's another skill that I'm mastering. And then thirdly, relatedness. Now, this to me is the most important part about self-determination theory and mental well-being. Relatedness is about community and it's about connections. As I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, fulfillment It's tenaciously working towards a meaningful goal. It's about how can I positively impact somebody else? For myself, I'm all about helping others live more fulfilling lives. It's because I didn't know what it was when I was 14. I struggled to figure that out. I've now, six, seven years later, overcome those problems. And I know there are many people out there, especially millennials, who are struggling with that problem of figuring out what's going to make them happy. So that is what I'm here to do. I have applied my passion with my purpose of helping others to live a more fulfilling life. And I've set up this business piece of clarity. I always say to people when it comes to their work, who are you helping? Why are you helping? What is the positive impact that you're going to provide them? And if you can't get it directly from your job, well, okay, think about your company as a whole that you're working for. What is the positive impact that they're trying to make and who who are they trying to make that impact for? So that is self-determination theory in a nutshell. The three psychological needs and mental wellbeing are autonomy, competency and relatedness.
0: So what do you believe are the biggest myths regarding maintaining a healthy relationship with yourself?
1: This is a difficult one because you can take it in many different ways. First and foremost, it's about making sure you are in control of your inner critic. I think it's something that we all have And I think in some ways it is um, quite healthy because it keeps your ego in check and just keeps you balanced, you know, moderation, everything and everything in moderation. But I think nowadays a lot of people's inner critic are a lot louder than what is healthy. And it gets in the way of you chasing your dreams. It gets in the way of you mastering new skills. It gets in the way of you reaching out and making new connections because you don't feel you're good enough or you don't feel that you have yet proved yourself enough to ask for that connection or that interview or whatever it may be that you are telling yourself you can't do. So absolutely kick the the majority of that to the curb and just have belief in yourself and if you cannot yet believe in yourself, believe in the belief that other people have of you and slowly then if you believe in them and they believe in you, you will start taking action. You will start gaining small wins. And then from that point, you can start believing in yourself because you'll have this, I call it the small wind mountain. You'll have a small wind mountain that you can stand on and say, look, I've achieved this. This is who I am. I'm proud of who I am. And I'm going to go out there and I know I'm probably going to get rejected. Absolutely. That's a part of life. But at least now you're in a position where you're confident enough to try. And I think that is the most important thing. You've got to have the confidence to try.
0: Well, you've got me thinking. And I'm thinking, well, how does social media negatively feed the inner critic?
1: Oh, It depends on how you're using it. If you're using it to your benefit, then it won't feed your inner critic. Because I always say scroll with intent. Every time you open whichever social media app it is, Before you do so, tell yourself, why am I opening this app? Who am I benefiting? What impact am I trying to make? What outcome am I trying to create? For me, I have no personal social media. All I use social media for is promotion of my brand and my business. So whenever I am engaging, it's to build a community around my brand. It's to help create sales um, as well. Help to get people onto my uh, newsletter. There is an intention every time I open any of those social media apps. A lot of people don't have that intention and instead use social media as almost an escape from their own life as a way to relax, as a way to get a dopamine hit and feel good. You know, it's a social media addiction, as they say. So I would say the best way to use social media is always with an intention. Because if you don't do that, then it's an echo chamber. And if you engage with Uh, content which you agree with for example maybe it is about the nice car in the house especially considering that's probably what you've been taught to aim for already and you're going to celebrate people who have that well then you're constantly going to be seeing the people who are higher up on the ladder than you and you're just going to be comparing yourself you're going to see you're going to be looking at the gaps you're going to be telling well why don't I have that I'm not good enough I'm all of this all that inner critic and that comparison is going to filter into your brain. It's not good. It's negativity is not helpful. So as I say, every time you go on social media, make sure you have an intention for it. And that way you will stop it from feeding your inner critic.
0: And how do you think is the best way for someone to motivate themselves?
1: I've got another little theory for you, the expectancy theory of motivation. And this says that to be motivated, you need three things. You need a vision, you need a plan and a belief in that plan. A lot of people have a dream. And what makes a dream a vision is asking yourself, why do I want this? All of a sudden, it becomes tangible. It's no longer, oh, I want to sit on a beach and I want to get away from work. It's, you don't want to say the negatives of what you have now. You want to say the positives of what that dream is. So, for example, I would love business to be less head and more heart. And what I mean by that is a lot of business now is run by the profit margin. And it's, well, profit, 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 sales, sales, sales. The reason why I don't like that chasing idea is because it's about taking from others. Business, when it goes all the way back when, was about service and being of service to others. And I'm going down a tangent, so I'll try to pull it in. But I want to change that so it's purpose-led. And it is about the service that you give to others. And of course, profit is always going to be a priority. But it's just the third priority on the list. I say purpose, people, profit. And that's something that I really want. That's a dream of mine. And that's something that I really want to do. Why do I want to do that? Because I know that purpose-led businesses have a happier workforce, a more motivated workforce. And obviously that just leads to greater sales and profit anyway. So for me, it is just common sense to be a purpose-led business. That's then the vision. So the dream is that I want business to change. Why is because I know it's going to make people happy, it's going to make Millennials more fulfilled, and that's why I'm doing this. Well, okay, what's the path? Well, path is all about passion and purpose in one. You know, you know your purpose because that's your why from your vision. The passion well, what is this one skill that you have mastered or would like to master? And how can you combine the two to then kind of walk down this path on a day to day basis? For me, as I've said, my passion is business. So for me, at some point in the future, I'm hoping maybe in the next five years or so. I'm going to set up a company, which is a consultancy company for businesses, hiring millennials and Gen Z, like myself, employees and help them not only uh, build cultures and environments where their millennial and Gen Z staff are happy and are motivated, but also want to stay more than five years. I think it's a very well-known problem that a lot of millennials and Gen Zs are jumping around. And I think it is because they're not finding a job which is satisfying them and fulfilling them. So that's uh, my path. And then finally, belief. Now, I always say small win mountain. I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Every single day, if you take action, you have got a small win and you can add that to the pile. And slowly, if you then look back, you can look at your gains. You can, a week, maybe a month, maybe six months, you can say, well, look at all of this action that I've taken. Look at all of this success. And then you can say, right, well, this is what I want to achieve now. This is what I want to achieve next. Am I capable of that? Well, if I've achieved all of this already, what's to say I can't achieve that? So when it comes to belief, that's what you always say to people. Just write down every day, what is this one small win you had that day? And then you can look back over that whole list and you can use that to really tackle the next obstacle. So when it comes to motivation and motivating yourself, Make sure you have a really crystal clear vision, which is your dreams, plus crystal clear motivations why you want that dream in particular, plus the path, which is your passion and your purpose. So, who do you want to help? Why do you want to help them? How are you going to help them? And then, lastly, belief in yourself. And if you haven't got it, start today, write down one small thing that you did that day. And it's a small win because big wins come on small win mountain.
0: So, really, it's like keeping a progress report on yourself
1: well that's for the belief element of it absolutely it's not necessarily a progress report it's more just saying this is the small this is what i've achieved today and celebrating the day i think a lot of people probably underestimate the power of one day has because the true power of a day comes when it's in the collective of a week or a month or a year even But don't underestimate that one day, because the second you underestimate the day, you've underestimated the week, you've underestimated the month, you've underestimated the year. And I mean, you'll be sitting here this time next year saying, well, that dream that I really want to achieve, I'm nowhere close to because you haven't been taking action every day. You haven't been emphasising the power of today and how that can put you just that one step closer.
0: So, Lucy, how can people contact you?
1: So I am www.keys2clarity.co.uk or I am at keys underscore two underscore clarity on Instagram. I'm always in my emails. I'm always in my DMs. So you should hear from me within 48 hours of reaching out. And please do, because even if it's just a question that you have on what I've said, or if you actually want some help, or you wanted to hear about my services, please do. Equally, I will be including in the show notes, a workbook, a free workbook for you, which will have a couple of exercises based on our conversation, just so that you can start living a fulfilling life right now.
0: Lucy in Cambridge, UK. Thank you very much for your time.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Please follow author Nigel Beckles' podcasts on Anchor, Amazon Audible, Spotify, and all major podcasting platforms. Thanks.